Jersey and Amanda. Jam Nation. They were the teenage grunge sensations that took the world by storm in the mid-90s, selling over 10 million albums worldwide, won more ARIA awards than any other artist in history. They were Silverchair and they rocked our socks off. But behind the scenes, they struggled with fame, with pressure, health issues, personal conflicts. Well, for the first time, the band's bassist, Chris Joannou, and drummer, Ben Gillies, have written a candid and revealing memoir called Love and Pain. Ben and Chris, hello. I think it was Teenage Heartthrobs. Yeah. I left, yes, did I leave one. out Heartthrobs? Yeah. You did leave out Heartthrobs. Let me put that in. Yep, thank you. Okay, I'll insert that later <laughs> in this live interview. <laughs> <Pick up> there. <laughs> it's, it, it's funny growing up with you guys. You know, I've been in radio for a long time, and I remember when I first heard Silverchair, I didn't believe that you guys were as young as what you were. And the record company at the time had put out a thing. They didn't want to say how old you were at all because people would write you off as uh, like sensation. A, mm. a sensation. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of curious. And then when we discovered how young you were, it was... We were yeah. a sensation. You were. And still, and <laughs> like still to this day, a, a sensation. How old were you then at the very beginning? Oh, what, we were like 14. Yeah, um, the band formed when we were 12. Um, and then the, it took off when we were 14, mm. 15. That's so young. Would it have been possible to have success without trauma? And when I say trauma, I don't mean to over-egg it, but without the pain and the, the discomfort and the fear and all of that, starting a band so young, could you have played it any differently? I think you just had to get on for the ride and, um, and, um, and live it, really. And I guess... Being so young, <clears throat> you're going through so many phases in your life through that period where you're you were pre-acne at that age, under a lot of scrutiny, yeah. and and um, and I guess being confident enough in putting yourself out there all the time, and yeah, but in some ways it was oddly normalised too. I think that was it. our reality. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I think we had two things on our side: is the fact that we were young and naive, and the other fact is that we were just so passionate about music. That was our focus. So all this, all the other kind of madness that was going on around us, we were blissfully unaware. And we did have a good support network, you know, family and management and stuff. We're mm. pretty fortunate in that sense. When you mm. say the madness around you, how mad did it get? What's one of the moments where you go, "Wow, that's mad"? Um, I think actually, I remember a gig that we played at Luna Park in Melbourne, and we walked on stage, and like there was just screaming people going absolutely berserk and we started playing and you literally couldn't hear we really couldn't hear what we were doing on stage because of people just screaming and that was the, that was the moment I was like yeah this feels pretty surreal and did it, in hindsight, did it feel easy for you guys? Because you look at musicians, musicians can struggle and struggle for years and not get anywhere and then all of a sudden you guys in a matter of moments had the gift yeah, we I think um, we were very fortunate and, and feel very you know lucky and blessed that we did get um, <clears throat> an opportunity. I think the it was uh, I think the reason the band took off how it did was just there was a magic and a chemistry when the three of us came together and when we played music together. Mm. Um, and we, we we'd done a reasonably a reasonable amount of um, playing for two years from when we were 12 like we just play anywhere and everywhere like uh, there was one a pub in Newcastle called the Jolly Roger we'd play uh, there as much as we could that's 12 year olds yeah I think we might have been 13 yeah right <laughs> Great that was simple times back drinking then. a shandy yeah uh, Daniel's not involved in this book no he's not um, uh, Ben originally 
was um, working on a book just by himself and he approached me um, and then I, I was sort of like, oh, well, that's your thing, you're doing it. And then I was like, you know, what a great experience it would be to jump in and just park all these memories mm. um, in one spot. And it's been an awesome, um, you know, journey to walk through um, sure. some things that were absolutely amazing and some things that were pretty tough but does that mean that you guys aren't talking to daniel because he's not in the book is that uh, or not involved in the book all drifted off into different directions um over the years and um done different projects and it, it's no disrespect to any individual um in the way things roll out it's just what happened mm. yeah. would, would there ever be a silver chair reunion um, look, I think like Chris said, it's, you know, at, we're all on different life journeys, you know, um, we're all doing our own thing at the moment. And I think, I mean, I can't, well, I can't speak for Daniel, but, you know, for myself, and I can't speak for Chris either, but, <laughs> go on, you know, I'll have a crack at it. Can you speak for Ben? I can speak for Ben, okay. <laughs> I think, look, where, where <clears throat> I am and I think Chris is in life, you know, we've got families and um, we've just... We're really happy with where we are, and I think the book was just a moment to be able to tell our story because mm. it's a bloody great story mm. and something for our kids too. My, my motivation was when my kids were born, that was the, the trigger point for me to go, I want to tell my story of the experience in Silverchair and I want something for my boys to be able to read from my perspective. Mm. Mm. Do you jam together lately? Do you guys... We did have a little session right? the just, other day. Just, just yeah, yeah. The, yeah. So it's just all bass and drums. It's the dream. It actually, <laughs> That's it the dream. Yeah, it's silver the dream. chair becomes Jason Recliner rocker. And it does. And it, yeah, there's definitely a, um, a special feeling um, that I think probably the, only the three of us will know when we're making music together, whether that's just Ben and myself or you know, the three of us. It's pretty, pretty cool. Well, from... My own perspective, I was in a band when I was a kid with my mates. What do you play? I was playing the drums. And I was like, I'm dreamt, no, but I'm mad Ben. Here I came, mate. And I was in it with my brother. But one day we were rehearsing at these rehearsal studios and John Swan came down and we're allowed to have a smoke. And he said, hey, boys, what's, up? what's the name of your rig? What's the name of your outfit? And we said, oh, it's Bad Element. And he takes the drag of his smoke and he goes, what, like, is that something on your stove that doesn't work? And I just was like... That was my greatest moment. So whenever, I, when you guys, for every guy that's ever played in a garage band that never made it, and really, reality is, most garage bands are never going to go anywhere. Mm. You guys did it, and that to me is the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, it was. It's. It was an amazing ride, and um, does feel like another lifetime mm. um, at this stage. But that's not to say it's all over now. No, that's right. It's, uh. it's. You know what, what's happening next? What's What's in the pipeline? Well, there's a book out. It's called <laughs> Love and Pain. <laughs> well, if only you'd mention it. <laughs> <laughs> book. No one told us. Um, ben and Chris, it's so great to talk to you guys. You could purchase Love and Pain from all good bookstores. Boys, thank you. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having us. And uh, check out part two, by the way, of Silverchair's Australian Story tonight on the ABC. Thanks, chaps.